Right, High Desert Word Center. Good morning, everybody. How we doing on this beautiful Sunday morning? Amen. Right in the middle of July, we are just plowing through this summer, and I believe that it'll come to an end in the name of Jesus sooner rather than later. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. We're gonna have an awesome, awesome day today. It is a certain young man's birthday today, and that would be my dad. All right. So. <laughs> We're going to celebrate that in just a little bit, and uh, we're super excited that the Lord has blessed us uh, with Pastor, and it's going to be awesome. All right, but before we do all that, let's go ahead and start our service just like we always do. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Let's stand up together today. Praise God. 
And as we continuously are saying, we are seeing our words have an impact because they are faith-filled words. And I'm just really grateful for all that the Lord is doing. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a shout of praise today. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take just a few minutes here to go around and meet somebody, greet somebody, spread a little love to your brothers and sisters today. But we want everybody to know that they are loved and welcomed. Let's go. Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, I call you Savior with nail-scarred hands. You will be my son in the morning light, bringing redemption to my dark Beautiful surrender is where I want to be. I'm locked into your arms for all eternity. I come and take my hand, and you can lead me where you please. That beautiful surrender is chasing after me.
my kind of church right there. Come on. All right. Well, you may be seated. And uh, man, we are going to start off here with, uh, first of all, we had just got back from an awesome youth trip to St. George, Utah. Yeah. So that was just the biggest and best trip that we've ever taken. And again, man, uh, these kids are thankful. And I was telling them, you know, I, I got to act like the old guy now. So I'm like, back when I was your age, <laughs> We slept in tents in the woods, and we were grateful for that. Now, they had their own separate villas, and this, you know, this, uh, this house slept like 30 people or something, both houses. So they were so blessed, and, uh, but it's good. I want them to see the goodness of God. And, uh, and anyway, it was totally awesome. Um, I'm going to let Pastor Katie say a few things, and then we have got a video montage of their time in Utah. All right? Well, praise the Lord. Pastor Dave got voluntold to go with us and by the end he was swimming in his clothes so you know i don't know um there was a lot of amazing things that went on on that trip and your students were able to get closer with the lord to receive from the lord 
lives were changed, and that's what it's all about. So yes, we had separate villas, and it was so nice, but um, the best part of the whole thing was that they were able to connect with the Lord on a deeper level and to make godly friendships and to get out of their comfort zone, and that is why we do that kind of ministry. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, are we ready for the video? Let's go.
award, right? Like, that's so awesome. So I have to tell you a quick version of that. So Tuesday night, it's our last night there, and we're, you know, finally everyone's relaxed a little bit, you know, because that first night, you're, everyone's uptight, and you don't know what the other person's going to do. So Tuesday night, we're in there worshiping in this giant living room, and everyone's just kind of alone with the Lord, and the Holy Ghost showed up, and it was awesome. And then everyone's like, well, now what do we do? You know, because you're in like this, yes, Jesus moment. And so I said, well, you've got an hour left at the pool, and they were gone. <laughs> they were gone. So they went down to the pool, and um, there were a lot of students who went down, and they weren't planning to swim. But you know, Lily Mata is not what we would call a spontaneous individual. She is not spontaneous. But when Lily Mata got in the pool with her clothes on, everyone knew it was time to party. So, uh, so anyway, it ended in this moment of every student in the pool and this amazing night sky with just a little opening with the moon and stars and everyone talking about what God had done. And it just ended it perfect. So when they say the best moment was swimming with our clothes on, it was not really about the clothes so much as it was about the ending to what God had been doing. So it was really a great trip. Thank you all for the investment that you made. Luke 6.38 is true for you. Philippians 4.19 is true for you. So as you give your offering this morning and whatever you're dealing with in your life, it's not currently offering time, but I'm just telling you, what you've given, God will repay. So thank you so much for investing in them, for the prayers that you prayed over them, and for your willingness to be a part of a teenager's life. Oh, oh, and I guess I'm doing announcements. I was like, and now I'm done. Okay, so... Today is a really important day. It was the day that our pastor was born. Can you stand for us, pastor? We love you, Pastor Samples. Thank you so much for being born. Thank you for being born again. Praise the Lord. We're going <laughs> to Amen. We're going to honor him also later in the service, but thank you, Dad, for all that you've done for all of us, for all you've invested in all of us, for all the prayers you prayed over all of us. And thank you for allowing us to grow because it takes some effort on your knees. So I am a product of that. Thank you very, very much for your prayers. Um, also, today is National Ice Cream Day. And for any of you who know Pastor, that's pretty cool that it's falling on his birthday because he likes some ice cream. So National Ice Cream Day and Pastor's birthday, same day today. Membership class is also today. Wave at me if you're coming to membership tonight to spend time with Pastor Dave and I, all like four of you. Okay, seriously, cranks. It's like your whole row. So tonight, 4 to 7 o'clock, membership in the building behind here, Victory Hall. And you will get some quality time with Pastor Dave and some snacks and get to learn more about the church and ask any question that you have ever had about the church or what have you. Um, so don't be late. 4 o'clock, Victory Hall. Men's fishing trip to Balboa Pier is on the 25th. Mon not tomorrow, Monday, the next Monday. And they're leaving at the crack of dawn, 4 a.m. Are you, like, meeting somewhere? Are you meeting here? Meet here in the Victory parking lot because that the gate will be closed. I'm not coming to open for you. Okay, so Victory Hall, meet by Victory Hall at the crack of dawn. And there's a sign-up sheet on there, poll rental $20. Poll rental 
$8. Well, in case that wasn't weird enough yet for you, if you're with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, wave at me. Thank you for being with us for the first time. We love you guys. Welcome. It's crazy around here, but we're a happy crazy because we just need Jesus every day. So Miss Heather is going to come and serve you some information about our church. And if you will take that card back to the info booth after service, they have a gift for you as well. Lawrence, pastor. It's happy time. Amen. All right. We're so glad for pastor's birthday today. And again, in a little bit, we're going to honor him some more. Brother Lawrence will do that. But first, it is our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And today is Missions Sunday. So we want to take care of our missionaries too. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. This, this is tithes and offering time. But I, would, I just want to add, add a little bit to this, what all is going on right now. Actually, this is not just my uh, birthday, but 17 years ago, on this very day. The 17th was a Sunday. How did I know? Because I was here on the 17th on a Sunday, and I wasn't the pastor yet. The church was checking me out and everything like that, and uh, they decided they wanted me to be the pastor. So I've become the pastor 17 years ago today. So it's a birthday, and it's an anniversary. But uh, also, uh, th this place, when we walked into it, we saw how big this place was. We came from a little old town back in Indiana. We walked in, man, this place took our breath away. And basically, it was almost empty because there was a lot, of, a lot of things happened to the church, and it wasn't in very good shape. I look at it now, and I look at those uh, youth pictures, videos, what's going on there, and it reminds me of my own life. And Pastor Dave, you're the pastor now, but I'm still the, so I can talk a little bit instead of the offering. Anyway, I was thinking about that, thinking about all of us, and the Bible says, do not despise small beginnings. Anybody ever seen that verse in Isaiah, I think, do not despise small beginnings? Well, when I was in the eighth grade, in between my eighth grade and freshman year in high school, I went to a Baptist youth camp as a sinner. My family wasn't Christians, wasn't church people, wasn't any Jesus in my house, but I went to a youth camp over in Ohio, and I got born again at a youth camp in Ohio. That was a very small beginning. One little dot. One little person out of a great big family, one little dot, one person in that family got saved me. And now lots of my family's in heaven now because I got saved. I was able to influence them and lead them to Jesus. And then God, I, I walked away for a lot of years, but 28 and a half years old, I came back to him, and I knew I was called by God to be a minister. And so from those days of growing, and I'm saying this for your benefit, for your life, don't think that your life is nothing, you're insignificant. You follow God's plan for your life, and you're going to influence a lot of people. So from that time at that little youth camp, that my parents could care less if I went or not because they weren't church people, they were tavern people. I uh, worked my own, my own, made my own money and everything. I paid my way, did all my thing there. There wasn't any offerings. I paid my way because I wanted to go there. I got born again, and look at the results now. Look at the results because of, Amen. Because, because a little sinner boy from a sinner family got in the presence of God at a Baptist youth camp, at a Baptist evangelist, had an altar call, and that little boy went up there to that altar call, got born again, lived for Jesus for about a year, but was in a sinner family, so the pressure was so much, I didn't make it past a year. But that was in me all the time. 
And I come back to Jesus in 1980, and from then on, man, it's been full steam ahead. That's all I want. But I'm looking around the faces. <laughs> I'm looking at the faces out here, and lots of other faces been through these doors all these years. And then I look at your extended families that you're reaching. I look at your place of employment where you're reaching people. And so that one little Baptist boy influenced by Baptist grandma to receive Jesus, this is what happened. And then I look at all the rest of you out here, and I know that God's got me saying this right now because some of you are thinking, well, what's my life worth? What am I doing? What's it really matter about my life? Everything. See, you don't, you don't look at the starting line. You look at the finish line. Amen. It doesn't make that much difference how you start. It's how you finish. And so as of right now, I believe if I stood in the presence of Jesus, he'd say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not because I'm so good, but I followed what he had for me and did what he wanted me to do. Amen. Does that help anybody see how this thing works? That's how it works. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. That'd be really good. And because it's happy time, let's look at the word of God and get happy. Psalms 37, or Psalms 35, verse 27. Psalms 35, verse 27. Thank you, Dylan. Psalms 35, verse 27. And I've always been called to be a pastor and a teacher, and a, teach, a teaching gift in me is really strong. There's nothing I do anywhere in life that teach doesn't come out to help people be better Christians or help people to know Jesus. But Psalms uh, 3527 for the times we live in right now this is a verse that every believer should get a hold of and let it get a hold of you because we are being challenged like never before and Jesus said that Satan's a liar the father of lies and so what God has for you in the financial arena is much greater than what the devil's trying to lie to you about, about right now he's got, he's got you watching gas prices watching politicians to see who can help you, watching this and watching that. But the Word of God says keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, the Word of God is Jesus talking to us. Keep your eyes on the Word of God. And so it says, let them shout for joy and be glad. That's why we call this happy time. It's a joyful time. This is a glad time. Why is that? It says that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Now look at this which has pleasure, has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And he was talking to Israel then who were servants. Out of the New Testament, we're sons and daughters. Let that sink in. We're not just servants. We do serve the Lord, but we're sons and daughters. If he wanted his servants to prosper, how much more his kids? Amen. You know, this, 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 this kind of hits sideways, some kind of natural thinking, but you got to let this sink in. God doesn't want you broke. God doesn't want you suffering financially. It says God actually gets pleasure. You know, I think about my kids. We got to go to a little uh, outing down the, down the hill yesterday. Look at all the grandkids playing in the swimming pool. Look at all the kids playing there. And I was talking with some people there. You know what? I got pleasure because my family has money to do things like that. I wouldn't have any pleasure if my family was sitting in an old shack somewhere in the desert with no air, no swamp color, nothing, just in poverty, 
just thinking, boy, I wish I had something to drive into town so I could get some place of air conditioner. No, I got pleasure because they prospered. And I, I'm a natural dad. And I really want this to sink in. God said he gets pleasure when you get blessed financially. And he said you're supposed to brag about it, that God's blessing me. God's my blesser. He said we're supposed to say continually, the Lord magnified because he gets pleasure when I get blessed. Amen. You need to testify about the blessings of God. And now I, I, I want to tell you something about the right attitude, though. Jesus is not opposed to you having money, but he's opposed to money having you. There's a difference. I learned as a young Christian that Jesus was my blesser, but I also learned anything he blessed me with, if I couldn't give it away as easy as I received it, that it had me. We've given away cars over the years, gave away a church building to another church. We've always been willing to know that anything he gives us, he gave me a saying years ago, and I put it on my bedroom mirror, and I used to always look at it, but now it's in my heart. There's plenty more where that came from. There's plenty more where that came from. And so you've got to be willing to know that if you've got some natural thing or some money you're holding on to, God moves on you to bless somebody, and you can't do it, guess what? It's got you. And that's the time I learned I give it the quickest before I get talked out of it. Whether it's a natural thing or money, but something's got me and God moves on my heart. How many here know that Jesus is moving on your heart for something? Amen. You get those little promptings, get those little things in your heart and go, man, God wants me to do this. Well, if you stop and think about it too long and talk yourself out of it, then that thing's got you and you miss the blessing. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, this is also Mission Sunday, and I'll just say something about the thesis. How many remember... Uh, Ron Thiessen and uh, Annette Thiessen. They, they were here recently. I, I, I spent some time with them in Peru, and uh, I don't know if I ever go back to Peru again. If Jesus really wants me to, I'll go back to Peru again, but uh, I, I did not leave my heart in Peru. <laughs> it's a good place to support, but when the pandemic hit, I was in the jungle down there, and I got quarantined in Peru jungle, in the Amazon jungle. And I didn't like it. But anyway, they've got a great work down there. They've been doing it for years and years and years. They're over, they're over the missions work of countries all over South America. And then also now, they're permanently stationed now in Honduras. They have a children's home, taking orphans from that whole part of the world over there. They're raising those orphans up. They're feeding them, educating them, all those kind of things. They'll be here first week of September. So anyway, that's the missionary we're talking about today. They're great people. Amen? All right. Have we got our... Everything all made up? I don't get to do anything yet. I'm done. Okay. Where's Lawrence? Back there out of sight. All right. Anyway, that's, that's the best I got for you this morning. Come back tonight, and I'll give you another round. <laughs> Happy birthday. Can you stay up here with me? One of my sons in the faith. There I am. So I think uh, Brother Jesse is going to have uh, the bucket for his special offering. And if you haven't got an envelope now, raise your hand and let's get it done. And there you go. Uh, I remember one time, what, about 12 years ago or something like that, you come up to 14 years ago, this guy came up to the altar as a sinner. And I held his hands. I said, would you say this prayer with me? And now his whole family serves God so well. There's so much fruit in this family. 
But that's, that's, that's that small beginnings again. It started right here. Amen. That's good. You're going to take some of my stuff that I was going to talk about. I know, right? Why don't you stay up here with me? Come on. No. If you try and take the mic, I'll, I'll keep it away from you. So we're going to go uh, to 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're going to go to uh, verses uh, 12 and 13. But before we go there, before I read that, the pastor's absolutely right. I was a mess 14 years ago. All kinds of addictions. My marriage was a mess. I didn't even know how to be a good dad. And what he left out was, is that when I did come up for prayer, he said, you know, why don't we meet up every once in a while? And once in a while was every Tuesday for almost a year. And he just took, and this is when he lived across the parking lot. And so every Tuesday for 13 years, he would pour into me. He would talk to me. And I'd always feel like I was a mess. I would always feel like, okay, I'm never going to change. And he would always tell me the same thing. You're not where you want to be, but you're not who you used to be. And then now... I'm able to tell that to others, you know, when they're like, okay, my finances are not where they want to be. I was like, well, they're not where you want them to be, but they're not where they used to be. And when people are struggling with addictions and stuff like that, I can say, well, you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. I don't know where I would be without this church. I don't know where I would be. You know, I'm not perfect now because I'm not where I want to be, but not who I used to be. But I'm a, I don't even know where I, how to compare it to where I was 14 years ago. You know, Rylan was just a baby, if you can believe that. He was sick. We were going to the doctor. It seemed like every, we're going to the emergency room. It seemed like every month. And then we came in here and we were listening to the word and we were grabbing on to healing and Riley don't have asthma anymore. So if you can think of, okay, how can that, that little kid couldn't even walk around without huffing and puffing. Now you can't get him to sit still. <laughs> Same thing with my other son, Eli. He started off rough. And pastor always told me, you got to have your spiritual tool belt. So when they told me that my son was going to be in, in the NICU, when they transported him to Loma Linda, instead of freaking out and like, oh, my gosh, my, my son's going to die. Because maybe some of you don't know, Eli actually stopped breathing at one point in his first two weeks. So that was like one of the worst days of my life. But I didn't freak out because I had my spiritual tool belt. Someone always told me, make sure you load up your spiritual tool belt. He always told me, be like a sponge and fill yourself up with the word. So when you're getting squeezed, that's what's going to get poured out. So I'm not perfect now. I'm constantly improving. But what I know is that pastor was there to be that example. And now maybe his title has changed of not senior pastor, but he's still pastor. And that's where this verse comes into play for uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. 12 and 13, where it says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They will, 
They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. That's what he's done for me. He's given me spiritual guidance. And you see how, like, if you see how Pastor Dave's life is now, there's never a free moment. He's always running around. Well, that was Pastor and Mrs. P. So they took time. He took time one day out of the week to dedicate to me. And that meant more to me than anything. When someone of, like, his stature, senior pastor of a church, that could take the time and say, hey, I'm going to dedicate this time to you and help you. And he would also tell me something else. It always made me laugh because I'd call him up and be like, Pastor, I'm sorry to bug you. And he'd be like, you're not bugging me. You're my job security. But like me and Chris were talking this morning, it's like the church is not here, the pastors are not here to help the people who are good, that are doing great in life. You know, the hospital's not there to take care of the people who are healthy. They're here for the sick. So that's what our pastors are here for, to help you. Don't ever feel like, I, I'm not going to go to that prayer line because, you know, I'm just, I'm too lost to be saved. My finances are too gone. My health is, I'm too old to be cured. Well, another great testimony real quick was my back. My, I had such a, just a curve in my back. I had always had back pain. I couldn't, I hated driving my van full because after about 15 minutes, my back would start hurting pastor prayed for me and he even said like the next week he came up to me and he was like you look taller and i said i feel taller my back don't hurt i'm healed so i could send spend up here all day but let me finish this because i stopped halfway through our first show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other so i'm sure everybody can have a pastor testimony i'm sure everybody's gonna say like oh well they've done this for me or he spent spent the time to talk to me i'm telling you it really is because it was a cascading effect of where you know my daughter served my youngest daughter who i thought was like such a wallflower started a bible club at her school so it's like there's there's so many ripples effects of him changing his life when he gave that little testimony a few minutes ago the ripple effect hits everybody and everything so if you feel like i'm lost and there's nothing anybody can do for me and the people online who are going to say like well why do i need to go to church why do i need god why do i need to talk to the pastors well it pays you know it's like it, you're 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 talking so much i mean it would be great if we dedicated 24 7 of our lives of reading the Bible and reading the word, but why not latch yourself onto someone that does do that? Pastor Dave included. So we should give pastor honor and don't feel like you're forced to do it. And if you're giving by text or on online, make sure you put guest speaker for him. But he just means a lot to me. And I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for him. So happy birthday, pastor. guess I'm doing double duty. So financial faith confession time, guys. Let's get up, get happy, stretch your legs. Oh, Pastor Bucket, okay. Remember, my eyesight, I couldn't see it. Pastor Katie was sitting in the audible. So if you need to, for Pastor, is Brother Jesse. 
everywhere else is uh, main buckets. And there's Cletus over there. So, let's ready? So, as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe you receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bonding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Woo! altar for worship after you drop off your offerings.
Love your voice. 
raise our hands to him this morning. Lord, we love you so much. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on us. Lord, when everybody else would have, no one else would have saw any potential in any of us. Lord, nobody else would have uh, given their lives for us. Nobody else would have done it. But you did, Jesus. We love you. There is nobody in all the earth like you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's just a good presence of the Lord in here this morning. And and I just want to take a minute to be in his presence. You know, the scripture tells us that in his presence is the fullness of all joy. And, and just being in, in God's presence, man, just, just, just one minute in God's presence could do more for you than 20 years of counseling could do. <laughs> uh, one minute in God's presence could do more for you than, 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 than 20 years, 30 years, 50 years of anything else. His presence can change our lives. And I've always found it really interesting in, in Psalm 51 after David had committed a, a terrible sin and, and, you know, he was fessing up. He was talking to the Lord, but he said, please, whatever you do, don't take your presence away from me. Because he knew how important the presence of God is in our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you that you would allow us to be in your presence. Uh, Lord, you, you said that we could come boldly unto the throne of grace. We don't have to go through somebody else. We don't have to go through the back door, the side door, try to just squeeze our way in. We can come boldly right to your throne and find favor and find help anytime we need it. And we can come right in through the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we honor that name today, that name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And we realize that at that name, the devil has to flee. At that name, Lord, we thank you that at that name, healing comes. At that name, joy and restoration and deliverance come. At the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so we thank you, Jesus, that as we gather in your name today, we're not here in my name or someone else's name. We are here in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. I thank you that you're going to speak to us. You're going to minister to us, Lord. Hey, we know that we've got some issues and we want those fixed. So tell us the truth today, Jesus. We don't want no lies. We don't want to sugarcoat it. We want the truth so we can be better for you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. You are good. Your mercy endures forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we give Jesus some praise together today? Amen. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats. And it's a perfect time to get right in to the Word of God today because I know that our hearts are prepared. And, uh, and you know, Jesus told this story about uh, the farmer going to sow some seeds, and some of the seed landed on hard ground, and so it didn't do any good. Some of the seed landed on a thorny ground that was just just full of, of, of thistles and thorns and, and all this stuff, so it didn't do much good. Another seed fell on some really shallow ground, but then there was some of that same seed that fell on good ground, a good soft ground, and it sunk right in and did everything that the farmer wanted it to do. And Jesus said that's the same way with our hearts. Do you realize that today in this very room, uh, however many people are here, I don't know, but uh, all these people are going to hear the exact same Bible verses, and I just know, statistically speaking, that a certain percentage of you are going to hear and receive the word today. You've got a soft 
gentle heart before the Lord, and that, that, that word is going to sink right in, and it's going to change your life. There could be somebody in the seat next to you. They've got a hard heart. They're going to hear the exact same scripture. It's going to bounce right off, and they're going to say, man, man that, I didn't get nothing out of that. Somebody else may have a shallow heart, as, this, as Jesus described, and they're going to get the exact same scripture that everybody else did, but because there's a shallowness there, they're going to be just maybe thinking about other things or like, yeah, well, that all sounds good, but I, I wanted to hear about money today. I wanted to hear about blessing. I wanted to hear about what I wanted to, and it's just shallow, and it does nothing for them. But Jesus said, oh, those that have this heart that is a good, soft soil, the seed is sown, and it is received, and they produce a crop that is 100 times as much as had been planted. And so I'm telling you today, man, that if you will have a right and soft heart before the Lord and just listen to his word, it could absolutely change your life. And you could get the answer that you've needed for years right here today. And it's not be, it's really not because I have any answers because I've got none. All I know how to do is read the Bible to people. Amen. And so that's what we're going to do today. Praise God. Well, if you need an outline to follow along the sermon, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers are going to get you one. And we're going to continue today in part four of our series called Agape. And you're like, man, what's agape? I thought this is America. What you talk? I'm talking about some Greek today. Agape is what uh, the, the 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 people of the Bible time wrote in, and uh, this word agape is the word that is continuously used in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, Jesus said, "Agape thy neighbor as thyself." And we looked last week in First Corinthians 13, and it says, "Agape is patient and kind," it, it, and, and it, it describes what the unconditional no strings attached love of God is. And in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. You are to love each other as I have loved you. And the word that is written there is agape. And so Jesus said, I've loved you with no strings or conditions attached. And I'm telling you to love other people that exact same way. And so this week, I, I man, I've been waiting for this sermon for a minute here. So uh, this is a good one that we need to hear. And it applies to everybody in here today. It applies to me. It applies to you. And this is something that is deep and powerful. But what we're going to be talking about today is mainly the topic of forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. And I mean, let's just get real. Show of hands, all right? Is there anybody in here that you have had somebody in your life that has been difficult to forgive? Amen. Yes. I believe every one of us could say that there's been some difficult people. And I'm just going to say, hey, that's good news because you've probably been pretty difficult to Jesus sometimes too, but he forgave you anyway. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good today. Come on, somebody. All right. And so we're going to talk about two points today because I really believe that's all the time that we will be able to fit in. But I want to get into this and I believe that the Lord's going to speak to us today. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word, that it is perfect, it is true, and it is exactly what we need to change our lives today. And so, Lord, speak to us. And again, if we've got a hard heart or a shallow heart or some other type of heart uh, that, that is not going to receive, I pray that you will soften our hearts right now. We would lay down our pride and we would say, Jesus, I'm listening. Speak to me today. We love you and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, can everyone say amen? All right, let's do this. Number one is this. You've been forgiven 
you must forgive others. You have been forgiven, so you must forgive others. Well, where's that written at? Well, Colossians 3.13. I'm glad you asked. Let's go. Colossians 3.13. Who's excited for God's word today? Amen. Colossians 3. And we're going to look here at verse 13. And I cannot get away from this verse in my life. It is always coming back to me all the time. But Colossians 3.13. And if you, again, we talked about 1 Corinthians 13 last week. And that was powerful. But you got to get this right here. Colossians 3.13. In the New Living Translation, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Well, you got to remember, the Lord forgave you, so you really should try, if, if possible, to forgive others. Is that what the scripture says? No. It says, the Lord forgave you, so you must. It's a requirement from Jesus. You may even say it's a New Testament commandment that we must forgive others. Others and you may say well, yeah, I know jesus forgave me but this person i'm talking about was really bad to me This person i'm talking about really hurt me and as i've sat there with that thought and attitude I've just looked up to jesus and I realized wait a minute. Hold on I gotta admit that there's been times that i've been pretty bad to jesus Pastor Dave, well, I know if I've done it, then some of you have too. But there's been times where I have not treated Jesus nearly as good as he's treated me. And I'll bet there are times, and I know there are times, that I have hurt Jesus. But I can't get around the fact that every single time I say, Jesus, I'm sorry, help me. I want to do better. He always forgives me and always gives me another chance and he never brings my mistakes and my sins up to me again. He buries them, as we say, in the sea of forgetfulness. That's how the Lord forgave me. And so I'll tell you this much. As you grow in your faith, you begin to realize that any sin you commit is a direct smack to God. Well, no, I didn't hurt God. I just hurt this person over here. Uh, no, I, I didn't steal from God. I stole from them. I didn't do this to them. I, I it wasn't to God. I did it. To, no, no, no. As a Christian, any sin, any anything like that that I do to hurt or harm other people is a smack to God himself. And you're like, well, I don't get that. Well, I think about this. We're not going there, but Acts chapter 9. This man named Saul of Tarsus is going uh, to another city, to Damascus, and this man hated Christians. And so everywhere he went, he was getting Christians thrown into jail. He was persecuting them. Uh, we even know that he was at least an accomplice to the murder of Stephen. Uh, but who knows? He, maybe he did kill other people. I'm not sure. But at the same time, Saul was really bad. And he's going down the road one day, and Jesus Christ appears to him and says, Hey, Saul, why have you been persecuting me? And somebody could say, Well, technically, he wasn't persecuting you, Jesus. He was just doing it to all of your followers. But Jesus said, No, when you mess with them, you're really attacking me. And so I know this much. When I mess with another child of God, whether it be my wife or somebody else, when I am mean to them, when I am persecuting them, when I treat them wrongfully, what am I doing? I am messing with Jesus himself, and he takes it personal. 
Well, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, check it out. We just talked about Psalm 51 a minute ago, and that I, that's a pretty good psalm to read. But, but what we've got in Psalm 51 is David is repenting of uh, committing adultery and having a man murdered to cover up the adultery. I would, you know, I would say that that's up on the higher list of bad sins to do either of those things. And so that's exactly what David did. And as he's repenting to God, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. Well, somebody could say, no, you sinned against uh, this guy, Uriah the Hittite. You sinned against with Bathsheba. And David said, no, my real sin is mainly against you. And so what am I telling us today is Jesus is rich in mercy. Thank God he forgives us. But I got to know this much that when I sin, maybe it's hurting somebody else and, and I need to repent of that. But really, it's a smack to God himself. And, and that's just something that, that I got to remember and, and not look over. I got to take that seriously because I don't want to hurt anybody. And I especially don't want to bring shame and hurt to Jesus himself. And so, you know, there's been times that maybe I've done something dumb. I don't know. I'm the only one. None of you have done this, but let me just talk about me. So there's been times that I've sinned and done something really stupid and I sincerely repented to Jesus for it. And then sometime later I went and did the exact same thing all over again. I get it. I'm the only one. Turn your judgmental eyes down Christians. But, but I, you know, I've done that. And, and I look back and, and when I came to Jesus, like, I know I asked you to forgive me and I did it again. And, he, and you know what? He forgives me again because, write it down, 1 John 1, 9, what's it say? If we will confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to forgive us. And that is super, super good news today. And so, as I'm thinking about the forgiveness and the love of God how can I possibly not love and forgive other people the same way that Jesus does to me? You know, in the most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says something very, very important. He says, blessed are the merciful. Why? For they will be shown mercy. Well, what about those that are not merciful? What about those that are uh Hold on to everything. What about those that don't forgive? What, what, what mercy do they get? Well, what if, you know, just what if Jesus' level of mercy towards you was dependent upon your level of mercy towards other people? Because I like it when Jesus shows me mercy because I need it. And Lamentations 3.23 says his mercies are new every single morning. I need his mercy, but how can I not show mercy to those around me when God has shown me so much forgiveness and mercy, and it's not because I deserve it. All right, I've got three quick things I'm going to say here that are on your outline, and they're kind of review, and then we're going to dig a little deeper. But last week we pointed out that there is a difference between forgiveness and trust. There is a difference between forgiveness and trust. Now, if you hurt me every time I come around you, I promise you I will not hate you. I hate no person in this world. And I, I can say that with a clear conscience before you people and before God Almighty. There is not one person on planet Earth that I could say I hate their guts and I wish they would go to hell. There's not a single person. Uh, but at the same time, 
uh, I'm not going to trust you if you keep smacking me around. I, I'm not going to hate you. I will not seek revenge because I'm, I'm not a vengeful person. I'm not going to seek revenge upon you. But I probably won't want to be around you, and I probably won't trust you very much either until I begin to see a change in you. Now, you never have to earn my forgiveness. You know, I'll forgive you when you do this, 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 and this. Then I'll forgive you. No, no, no. You will never have to earn my forgiveness. You may have to earn my trust back, but you won't have to earn my forgiveness. I'm not allowed to do that to you because I was never able to earn Jesus' forgiveness. He just gave it to me anyway, and he told me that I have to forgive other people the same way that he forgave me. And so if I make you do a whole list of things, okay, fine, now I forgive you then I am wrong. Jesus didn't do that. He said if I would fess up, if I would confess it to him, then he would be faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. You don't have to earn my forgiveness, but maybe you do got to earn my trust. But here's the thing. I'm not the type of guy that's going to say, but that's impossible. You can never earn my trust back. No, it may take some time, but you could earn my trust back, you know, praise God, by living the right way for Jesus. And I would say the same thing. Maybe there's people that don't trust me because I've been a knucklehead sometimes. Well, I would hope that I could earn your trust back someday. Amen? We having a good time? All right, we're, getting, we're having a serious time, but we're having a good time today. Another thing that's also a little review from last week is we are told to not hold others to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. So I'm telling you, don't hold others to a higher standard than you hold yourself. Does that sound like pretty good Bible information? Thank you. All right, so what I'm saying is this, is I've just witnessed so many people that are like, Everybody better treat them right here. I mean, they better roll out the red carpet, kiss their feet, not say one wrong word, not look the wrong way, not smell the wrong way, not cook the wrong way. You better treat them right up here. But they're allowed to treat you way down here. Now, if that's you, praise God, I'm telling you right now, don't hold everybody else to a higher standard than you hold yourself. One of my favorite bosses of all time was my very first job when I was frying chicken, all right? And it was a wonderful job. But the thing I loved about my old hillbilly boss was this. He'd say, Dave, listen. And he had this old hillbilly boy. He'd say, I would never ask you to do something that I myself would not do. And he meant that. You know, there's not, he, he wouldn't tell it, you guys go do this while I'm over here in the office just, you know, eating chicken and having a good, no, he would, he, he held it, all of us, we are all the same standard. He held himself to a higher standard actually, but he would never tell us to do something that he wouldn't do. And neither would Jesus, because when Jesus was being murdered on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so when Jesus tells me, listen, you've got to forgive other people, then I realize, hey, he's not asking me to do something that he wouldn't do because he did it down to his dying breath. He did it. And so, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to do my best to be like Jesus. Another thing on your outline here is this. We said last week, we tend to judge others based upon their actions, but ourselves on our intentions. Have you ever noticed about that? Listen, we tend to judge other people based on their actions 
and ourself upon our intentions. And so, again, I just, I see a lot of things. I know a lot of people. I see a lot of things. And one thing I see is this, is somebody will get mad at somebody for doing something when it turns out, really, they did the exact same thing themselves. But then they would say, yeah, but I didn't mean it like that. What my intention was, was this. Oh, well, how do you know that their intention wasn't that also? How do we know? And so once again, this is just a very quick little review. We tend to judge others based upon their actions, but ourselves upon our intentions, we need to hold the same standard. All right. Now I want to get right into God's word. Matthew chapter seven. Let's go. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's going to get real right now. Who's ready? I know my teenagers are. Are my teenagers ready today? Are my old people? No, 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 no. Okay, that's fine. Hey, you just, you categorize yourself, whatever you want to categorize yourself. I identify as a 20-year-old, so praise God for me. Amen. Okay, uh, anyway, Matthew chapter 7. Let's just move. I don't, I don't want to go there. Matthew chapter 7. And let's look here at uh, the first five verses. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. We will mainly be in the book of Matthew today, all right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus himself said, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Verse 2, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Oh, wow. So, I mean, if I'm judging and holding everybody else to this standard, that's the standard that I'm going to be held to? Oh, yeah. That's what Jesus, the man himself, said to you right there. All right? And so, let's look at verse 3. Jesus says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? Woo-hoo-hoo! How can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, I mean, come on. What did we just read right there? I'm telling you that in our lives, I know way too many people that can't fix their issues because they're trying to fix yours. They're focused on yours. And let's, and let's apply it to you, okay? All right, hold on. Maybe some of your issues haven't been fixed because you're trying to meddle and fix everybody else's. I'm spiritually mature. I speak in tongues. Well, you gossip in English. What about that? Yeah, all right. Walter got me on that. All right. Listen to me. I'm trying to help you today. I'm talking right now about why worry about the speck. Hey, man, you got like a toothpick or something right there, and you've got a telephone pole size issue that you're dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. And I know this much that I, I've personally got too many issues of my own that I'm trying to fix and deal with to try to fix all of yours. And so, and Jesus said, hey, after you take care of yours, then you can help your friends. So it's not that it's never wrong to say, brother, I realize you've been struggling with this. Let me help you. It's, it's not that. There is a time and a place for that. But I better deal with some of my own junk first before I try to handle everybody else's. And that's just too big of a job for me. And I'll tell you, man, the heat and humidity this week, yeah, 
it's been getting the best of me. Anybody else, you've just felt a tad bit crankier this week because you're like, what is going on? What did we do to deserve this? I mean, it was going great. It was so smooth. But I feel like, man, I'll do anything right now to get just a little bit of extra cool. Are you with me? I mean, I'd like to do anything. You know, one thing I felt helps men, if you leave the toilet seat up, your, your wives and your daughters will give you a cold, icy stare. Uh, it's not about a cold and icy stare. It'll send chills down, all right? Sorry, honey. <laughs> All right, so um, uh, praise God. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 18. But, I, but I'm serious. Listen to me. That Jesus said, hey, you're, you're tripping over everybody else's stuff. You're, yeah, you, you, you've got a whole log in your own eye, but you can't fix it because you're worried about the speck in your friend's eye. He's like, that, you know, you're a hypocrite. You need to deal with your stuff before you worry about everybody else. I mean, hey, maybe you've heard that your whole life, but that is absolute truth. Now look at Matthew chapter 18. Now here's a story that nearly gets me upset every time I read it, and maybe you too. This is one of those stories where you see a massive injustice, and you're like, man, what is this? So let's look at this story. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. I'll probably read a little fast because I don't usually read a, an entire story at this length. But here we go. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Maybe seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. All right. And what is that? That's 490 times. Jesus said, no, I don't care. Seven may have sounded good. I'm saying 490 times. Now, I don't think that Jesus was putting an exact cap on forgiveness. What he was saying is, man, you better keep on forgiven. All right. And so let's keep going here. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Somebody say millions of dollars. He couldn't pay it, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I'll, I'll, I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and what forgave his debt. Oh my gosh. Look at that. I mean, this guy couldn't afford the interest on what he owed. And the man, the master said, you know what? I forgive it. You don't owe me one penny out of all those million. Consider it. Consider it squared away. Just go on about your life. And that's what Jesus did to you. You owed a debt. I owed a debt that I couldn't afford to pay. But Jesus came and said, you know what? Forget about it. You just receive me. Let me pay for it for you. What a gift of forgiveness. Let's keep going here. So verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went out to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, say few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me. I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor would not wait. He had that man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. 
When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you of that tremendous. I forgave you of millions of dollars because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, that sounds bad enough, but look at this. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. Whoa. I mean, that's incredible. Imagine that. You owed millions of dollars. You couldn't have never, you could have worked two lifetimes and never paid it off. But the man that you owed it to said, you know what? Forget, you don't owe me a thing. It's okay. You just go on. And then you go right up the street. Hey, where's that thousand dollars you owe me? I want it now. Please just give me a little more time. But you, no, I want it now. I will, I will not forgive you of this. I will hold this over you until you pay every penny back. What do you deserve? You are not showing the same level of mercy that you've been shown. And I know people that, I mean, I, I, if you, they would tell you. The Lord forgave them of massive, monumental, horrendous things. And yet somebody else maybe, you know, does wrong them for sure. They, somebody wrongs them. And they will just never, they will hold it over that person's head. They will stew on it and they will hold on to it for the rest of their lives. Now you will stand before God someday. I keep telling everybody this. I tell myself this. I will stand before God someday and I will have to answer for what I did down here. And he's going to say, hey, I don't want to bring it up, but you kind of (laughs) remember what I forgave you of and you wouldn't let this go with this dude? What's up with that? That's a bad spot. Now, verse 34 uses a couple of key words that are just like, they're not pretty words, but there's two words in there that catch my attention. It's the words torture and the words prison. What is that? Nobody. I hate those words. Torture and prison. Those are ugly words, but this is what begins to happen to us when we will not release and Forgive, And I'm going to talk about how to forgive because I realize that we've got people in here that have huge things, bad things that people have done to them. And it's more than just saying, yeah, I forgive it. it it's a, I get it. It's a deeper process. Then there's some that are just, I mean, just holding stupid, petty little things over other people's heads where we could really say, grow up and get over it. You're not five years old anymore. Right? Amen. Okay, that went good. So let's let's move on here. I'm going to go to number two, and it's this because it builds off of what we just saw. Unforgiveness creates a prison in our lives. Unforgiveness creates a prison in our lives. And what I want to show you here is Proverbs 18 and verse 19. Are we still together today? Are you still with me? Amen. Now, we aren't making light of anything. We're not making light of something that's been done to you. We're just trying to help set people free today because Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Yeah, but I like being able to just snuggle up to this, you know, bitterness. And then, no, maybe you've been snuggling up for a long time, but the truth will set you free. Amen. And so 
Proverbs 18, verse 19 is a very interesting verse right here. But uh, as we look at it, there's something a little bit deeper if we dig beneath the surface that I'd like to point out. Proverbs 18 and verse 19, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city or a walled city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars, like a gate locked with bars. And so what does this say? All right. Back in the Bible times, you would want to fortify your city. I mean, you would want to build a wall around it. You would want to, you, you would want to secure it and keep people out. You, it shows that you don't trust the outsiders. And it's, it's interesting, you know, when you study the Old Testament, you look like at, at, at whenever the Israelites crossed into the promised land, all of these cities that they attacked, Jericho, Ai, all these other cities that they went after, they were all walled cities. Well, what did that mean? They all couldn't stand each other. So when the Israelites came in and attacked Jericho, Jericho had no allies. They had no friends. Nobody was coming to help them. And so the Israelites would move on to the next city and attack it and tear down those walls. And they knew it's a, they don't trust anybody. They have no allies. They've locked everybody out on every side. Now, in our lives, sometimes we build up a wall around us to protect us and to keep people out. Now, I get it. That's the natural response. You have been hurt, and so you're just going to build a wall and get everybody away and protect yourself. But here's the issue. As we begin to let that wall get higher and higher and keep everybody out, what we do is the wall that we built for protection becomes our own prison. And here we are, and we become a person that we never wanted to become. And it may take time, but you're like, you don't trust anybody. You push everybody away. You, you, you have issues with your family and in your marriage and with your kids and with your church. And everywhere you go, there's just issues. And, 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 and why is that? Because you, you did. You tried to protect yourself, but you created a little prison around yourself. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And so what I'm saying today is, is listen, God's got a better way. And you may, well, no, I, I liked my way better. No, God's got a better way, but we got to do it by faith. Can we say by faith? Amen. All right. And another thing I've noticed about somebody that, you know, that has locked themselves in this prison of unforgiveness is, is, is when we do that, we tend to gravitate towards the other prisoners. Like, oh yeah, you got beef too. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, let me tell you about all the stuff that's happened to me in life. Oh, you think that's bad? Well, this, and what happens? We begin to gravitate towards people that we identify with. And next thing you know, you've just got a little circle of, as close as you'll let them, of other people that are offended and bitter in life that that, that, that just can't get along with anybody. And, and that is not what the Lord is wanting for us to do. And so if we're just going to hang out with other prisoners, there's... There's no freedom in that. But if we would look to the king of all kings, amen, what happens if you're a prisoner and you did something wrong? If the governor or the president gives you a full pardon, it doesn't matter. You're a free man, even no matter what anybody else says. 
And, 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 and if you will look to not only the governor, I mean, forget that, the king of kings, Jesus Christ, if we will reach out to him and gravitate towards him, he can give us a pardon and get us out of that prison. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. That's what Jesus has for us. And so uh, I've got, I'm just going to share a quote that I got from Joyce Meyer. I should have put this on the screen, but I didn't. Joyce Meyer said, many people think that forgiveness only benefits the other person, the person that hurts you, when actually the main beneficiary is you. When you forgive, all right, you may think, well, it's just going to help them out. No. What it does is it, it, the main beneficiary is you. you. You see, as you release your bitterness and anger, you're able to live with real joy and peace. Real joy and peace. And so, again, we've kind of pointed out that some people have got some deep wounds and issues. And, it, and, and it's more than somebody cut them in line. Somebody took their favorite seat at church. Somebody, you know, all these silly things that people get upset about, right? Uh, I, I mean, there, 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 there's, there's, there's little minor things, then there's big things. And I think about, you know, if I shoved you, it would probably catch you off guard, be offensive. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe cause you to stumble a little bit, but you could bounce back from a shove pretty quick, right? That's the, you could bounce back. All right. That's, that's one level of hurt. But what if I had Nick here take a metal folding chair and bash you over the head with it and then kick you in the stomach and do a stone cold stutter? Uh, some of you men get that. Anyway, what, but what happens? What happens? That's a whole other level. Now, what, again, th- that's going to, that's going to probably do more than just catch you off guard. That's going to stun you. It's going to it's going to absolutely hurt you, but it could actually wound you. You're going to bleed. It's going to get deep and it's going to hurt really bad. All right. So there's a little bit of a oh, that caught me off guard. Then there's a wound. And what happens when you don't treat a wound? It gets infected. And it spreads. And it begins to not just hurt that area. It'll spread everywhere. And, and you know, I, I was even thinking about the, the gangrene. I mean, it, it can start with something so little and spread until you eventually lose a whole area of your life. You've got to treat the wound. Yeah, but, I mean, it hurts. Let's treat this thing. Let's fix this thing. Yeah, but if I say I forgive you, then that means they were right. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't justify what they did. But at the same time, it releases you and begins to let the Lord start the healing process in your life. Amen? And so let's look at this. I've got three keys to starting the process of treating the wound. Three keys to starting the process of treating the wound. Number one is this, or letter A, make yourself reach out. Make yourself reach out. Now, again, this is not accepting fault or being weak, but when you know you've done your part, it lifts a great burden off of you. And so Romans 12, 18, we've been in Romans 12 nearly every week. Romans 12, 18, really quick. Romans 12, 18, I'm going to show you something. Because this verse is true, and it holds a great deal of wisdom for you. Romans 12 and verse 18 in the New King James, and it says this. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men and women too, all right? As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I get it. This verse does say something very powerful, if it's possible. Now, in most cases, 
it's possible to reach out and extend the olive branch. Now, there are rare cases where it's, it's just you need to not ever contact that person again. There is that, but most of the time, there's some way of at least saying, you know what, hey, let's just bury this thing. We don't have to be best friends, but let's just move on in life. There's some way of doing something. Now, when I was in high school, a lot of really bad things happened to my family. Terrible things that I'm not going to go into right now. But we lost everything, and just it didn't go well, all right? Uh, and so I carried a level of bitterness and anger in my young teenage heart that was not good. I could probably say I hated some people, and if they fell off the face of the earth, it wouldn't be a moment too soon for me because, you know, you hurt me. I don't like that. You hurt my family. Even as a teenager, I really get angry, right? And, and as calm of a guy as I am. And so I had these people, man. I couldn't stand them, all right? And so what I did, though, after I got married, I was 19 years old, and I'm like, I can't, man. I'm get, I was getting ready to move to Bible college. I'm like, how can I go become a preacher and I get, I hate people. I, I got people I can't stand. What do I got to do about this? Well, I can't wait until I feel like I forgive them because forgiveness isn't just a feeling, okay? If you know, well, I'll get around to it when I feel like it. You'll never feel like it, man. They did some bad things to you. What are you going to do? You're going to have to take some steps. And so I didn't know, I knew that I probably couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't go meet face to face with everybody I didn't like. But I knew I could start somewhere. And so I went to the store, and I just bought a whole big box of blank greeting cards. And I sat down and got a roll of stamps, and I just wrote, man, love you. Hey, forgive you. I got nothing against you in the world. I pray that your life turns out great. God bless you, man. You know, something like that, where it could be true. I didn't have to say, golly, I love you. You're the best person I've ever met in my life. You're wonderful. You're godly. You're holy. Praise God. That would have been a lie. I'm not going to lie to you, but at the same time, I could have said something. And so I wrote card after card. And by faith, I dropped those in the mailbox and I released that. Now, hey, did they come banging on my door to give me a hug? No, they did not. But I did something on my part that released a massive hurt that day. And through time, many of the people, yes, I've made up with and, and, and have buried the hatchet and thank God for that. But I had to do something. Because they weren't going to take the first step. I know that much. And so I did something. And I don't know if it helped them. But boy, it helped me. I felt so much better. And I was able to go to Bible college. And and, and eventually, you know, hey, do what we're doing now. Praise God. But you got to take the first step. The second thing I'm going to say is this about getting treating the wound. Number one, make yourself reach out. Letter B. Sorry, I'm, I'm saying numbers. It's letters. Letter B. You got to pray for them. Pray for them. I'm not turning there, but Matthew 5, 44, Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. And so when we pray for them, that's the biggest key that I found to beginning the healing process is praying for the person that you are having issues with. No, I didn't say pray about them. I said pray for them because I know too often some of these prayers, we pray about them. God, get them to fix their stinking bad attitude. God, deal with them. Yank their chain. Jesus, smack them around a little bit. Uh, I'm going to pray for them. Jesus, soften their heart. Jesus, help them out. Jesus, help them be open. I'm going to pray for them. Now, here's the thing. 
I challenge you, if you've got beef or issues with somebody, every time they cross your mind, pray for them. Every time. Because I know several years ago, two guys, they had done me wrong, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. But what I did was I determined every time I think about them, I will pray for them. And I found out that I thought about them approximately every 26 seconds. And so every time I, cr- I would be driving down the road, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you're working in their hearts, Father, and drawing them closer to you, Jesus. There we go. The next stoplight. I can't stand that little, oh, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. And I did this, and I forced myself. Now, what happens if you force yourself to do this? You will forgive them because, one, you're tired of praying so much, and you just want to get over that, all right? Quick. And then, or, or this, you begin to see them as God sees them. And you don't see a little wretch. You don't see a little punk. You see, my gosh, they must be miserable to treat. Jesus helped them. And you begin to see them as God sees them with compassion and mercy. You're not justifying what they did, but you could see, man, that is a a hurt and dangerous person. They need the help of Jesus. And so when you will pray for your enemies, you begin the healing process. And I pray that it helps them, but I know for sure that it helps me out. And the final thing is this. See, hey, it's as simple as this. Ask God to help you. Ask God because, listen, there's sometimes that you, you don't got it in you. You don't have it to fully forgive this individual or these people or this situation. But I know this much. Matthew 19, 26 tells me, with God, all things are possible. And you're like, well, yeah, it's impossible to forgive them. Yeah, on your own it is, but I'm not doing this on my own. I'm doing this with God. And with God, all things are possible. And so if I ask him, Jesus, help me, help me with this, he will begin to help me. And I realize this isn't just a magic wand, a little wave of the hand. No, it's a deeper thing. But if we will begin to do some of these things and take these steps, the healing can begin. And the quicker I'm healed, the freer I am. I can be a better husband now. I can be a better dad now. I can be a better man now. I can be a better friend and pastor and person if I am free from this baggage and this weight that is on my shoulders. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and just call it quits there for today. Amen. I pray. Did you receive something today? Did you receive something? Amen. I know the Lord's trying to really get a hold of us on some of these things and, uh, and, and it is a, it's a deep topic. Praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Let's stand up. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask my prayer team to come on up with us. And as we do this, we're going to enter into worship for just a minute here today. But the biggest thing is this. If you're here and you haven't made things right with God, man, maybe you haven't asked him to forgive you. Well, that's step one. There's no way that you're going to be able to forgive other people the right way. If you don't have the right uh, relationship with Jesus. And so the biggest thing I could say is I invite you here in just a minute. When other people come up for prayer, you jump right in with them. And we want to pray with you and make sure that you've got things right with Jesus, number one. But also I want to tell you this. If maybe you're just going to sit there and worship for a minute. I, I, I ask you for a minute. Think about what Jesus has forgiven you of. 
You know, while you're sitting there and started thinking about what, what the wrong everyone's done to you, I'm not asking you to dig up your past sins. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is reflect that, hey, I've been forgiven. <laughs> I have been forgiven of a lot. I can't hold this over their head when Jesus forgave me of millions. I got I to gotta thank him for that. And so as we do that, reflect on the forgiveness you've received. And I would tell you right now to begin the process of praying for those that have maybe hurt you. Amen. Let's take a few minutes to worship the Lord today before we close out. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. And nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart. Because you 
go ahead and wind things down here. Praise God. I know we got some ministry going on, so we'll be reverent and respectful of that. But man, did anybody hear from God today? Did anybody receive something from the Lord? Amen. Seems like we've uh, struck a chord with some of our hearts. I'm hearing from so many people, man, about forgiveness. I want to rejoice that we've got a man that gave his life to Jesus today. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. Yeah. Amen. We're going to get him in our spiritual personal trainer program and get him discipled and on the right track with Jesus. I love what God's doing in this church. The Lord is so good. Amen. Well, we want to remind you that membership class is today from four to seven. You can still sign up back there. Uh, it's going to be a really awesome time. And so if you're like, you know what? I feel like this is our church. This is my church. This is my family's church. You know, whatever the case is, if you're just, you know, if you know that man, we want you to become a member and it's not so we can, you know, make you work in the church or force you to tithe. We don't force anyone to, no, it's nothing like that. No, it's just so we can make this thing official and, and really let you uh, be the fullest part of the church that you can be. It's four to seven in Victory Hall. And you're like, that's a long time. Well, hey, got you covered, bro. We got snacks over there tonight, snacks and, and cold drinks. All right. It's going to be a really great time. All right. So anyway, four to seven. And men, I also want to remind you that that fishing trip is next Monday. And, uh, and then you're like, well, I, maybe I can't leave it 
4 a.m. We'll just meet us down there. But we do want to know you're coming, so please sign up. You can bring your kids and all that good, fun stuff, all right? I hope I'm not forgetting anything, uh, but uh, let's just assume that I'm not. Okay, uh, is there a prayer tonight? Okay, no prayer tonight, uh, but service at 6 o'clock. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for all the wonderful things that uh, we've seen from your word today, Lord. And, and God, you are so good. We thank you that you are rich in love and you're slow to anger, Jesus. You forgive us and you forgive us and you forgive us and you give us another chance. You're merciful. You're compassionate. You're kind. You are so, so good to us, Father. And I pray that, that, that we would have the strength within to love and forgive and show mercy in the same way that you've shown it to us. Jesus, change our lives. We love you so much. Use us this week for your glory and to be the light of the world everywhere we go. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, all right. Let's do it. Let's make our Barstow faith confession. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We will see you tonight.